I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English Lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow Lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody, to Lit and Libations. This is Audra. This is Sadie. And we are going to be discussing Little Women um, by Louisa May Alcott, kind of to kick us off into this holiday season. Um, So excited to talk about it. Um, Before we do, maybe we should kind of give a rundown on what we're going to be doing for our last couple episodes of the year, which is crazy that it's already almost the end of the year. I, it, it, it is crazy. So we'll be, I know I can't, well, it already feels like we just had Thanksgiving, which hope you all had a, had a nice time with whatever you were doing. Hopefully you got to spend some time with people that you love and care about and, mm. uh, got to enjoy some good food. Um, and I just, it feels weird that it's already over. Like it still feels like it should be coming up on Thanksgiving, but it's already over. So it's time for finish out the year, but it was good. Yeah, I had a great Thanksgiving. It was a good Thanksgiving. And I'm ready. I th- and I think this, I'm ready for the year to be over. I'm ready for 2022, I think. I, I just have a lot of stuff yeah, to Yeah, it's been a long for. year. Yes, yeah. you do. Big things. New house. Sadie has a new house. So excited yes. for you. Thank you. I'm so excited. The joys of home ownership. I'm going to move my phone. You like can't even see my face. There we go. <laughs> That's probably awkward talking to my shoulder. <laughs> wasn't gonna say anything <laughs> oh that's did. kind of you <laughs> all right so we'll be discussing little women we're gonna be discussing part one because the book was actually written in two parts originally um they were both published separately and i think the second part was even published as a separate name or something originally um i could be mistaken about that but so we will be discussing part one which is chapters one through 23 right yes Yes. Um, And then our next episode next week, we'll be um, discussing part two. And then we're going to be finishing out our year with an episode kind of just going over all the books that we've read, maybe kind of come up some different things to discuss with that. Um, And we may have some other fun things coming up for that episode. So we will keep you abreast of that situation. But it should be should be a fun way to finish out the year before we start 2022 with a whole new whole new realm of books so we've got to figure out what that's going to be like we have plenty to choose from i have a huge list so (laughs) um is there anything else that we should recap before we discuss our libation and get into it i don't think so i would just say definitely stay tuned for that special episode at the end of the year we have some extra exciting things coming for that episode so if even if you haven't listened to every single episode that we put out which how dare you because we're fantastic Uh, yeah (laughs) um i would listen to that one for sure but yeah i think i think we're good to get into it all right well what are you what's your libation this evening so tonight i am drinking just a white wine it's karen birmingham's pinot grigio 2020 vintage and it's okay it's it's honestly like it's i think this yeah. kind of wine is a little too sweet for me pinot mm. grigio is not yeah. maybe my favorite it's a little too sweet but it's a good wine as far as yeah for what it is it's good it's enjoyable yeah how about good. you all right well i made like a vodka soda concoction so you know those olipop sodas have you ever seen those no um I'll show you. No one else will see it, but Oh, those are cute. So, it's this brand called Olipop and they're like it's a well, I shouldn't say it's soda pop. It's like a sparkling tonic and it supposedly has prebiotics, botanicals, mm. plant fiber. I don't know. Something about how it's it's good for you. I don't know. <laughs> but Kendrick <laughs> buys them and they're pretty good. And this is an orange one, so I made kind of like a vodka orange soda mix because I was in a hurry. But well, it's pretty good, here. actually. That's why I'm just drinking wine, which I'm really regretful because I finished I like I finished reading um, up to what we were going to talk about today, rereading it. And yeah. I immediately just like regretted that I'm drinking like 
a cold drink because this movie this book, i know really it is like it's so i'm so glad we picked this one for december even though it's not like a christmas story it is a christmas book in my heart and it, it yeah. just has such cozy vibes that i just wanted a hot drink yeah, it would have gone well with this. So we recommend if you decide to make a libation while you read Little Women to maybe make something nice and warm and cozy for yourself. But mm-hmm. in, if all else fails, you know, a okay Pinot Grigio or vodka and orange soda works just fine too. So. <laughs> yes, it does. Whatever gonna, floats your boat. I'm going to try to actually like plan my libation a- ahead of time next next episode. Maybe next episode I'll have some mulled wine or something. This podcast oh, that is going to hold good. me accountable. Oh, I'll get some. Yeah. Okay. We'll do that. I got some glue vine. My parents picked some up for me. So maybe I'll have some of that and you can make some mold wine and we'll, we'll plan Ooh. that. That sounds that good. That sounds good. That sounds good. Um, um, so yeah, so I think that's it. So maybe we can get into it. Um, yeah, I don't know why this came to mind as a Christmas book to me. I think just because, I mean, it kind of starts in that season um and there's just some yeah i mean the first chapter is uh, well i guess the first chapter is not but the second one is a merry christmas so it kind of just starts off with that and i just feel like that idea kind of goes throughout the book but you know what's funny so i haven't read this book for a long time me neither and it's so in like the just you know lexicon but i i like it (laughs) But I honestly don't know if I enjoyed reading the book oh. as much again as I thought it would. I know, I know. Really? It's like sacrilege. I, okay, this is why. It was all my mindset. I forgot that it was really written as like a kind of young, like a child's young adult yes. book. Yeah. Um, I kind of forgot about that. And then like, I don't know. I... Maybe it's just that I've read or heard about like Louisa May Alcott's own feelings so much about like, like from what I understand, she didn't necessarily want to write this kind of a book at first, like didn't Mm. want to write a children's book. And I mean, obviously she she put a lot into, I don't know. I just didn't, I forgot that it was more geared towards young women. And so the writing kind of was like, Uh uh-huh. Does that make sense? Like, yes, I wasn't expecting yes, the, it, it does make sense. The writing and it's not bad. I mean, I think it's just, if you come into something with that expectation, like for instance, I knew I got into the Harry Potter thing pretty like much later than when it had been out. I mean, I think I started reading it when like, I don't know, the last two books hadn't been published yet. Yeah. And, but I knew it was a children's book. And so I went into it with those expectations and then grew to love it. I mean, granted the books like grow in maturity but right. I went into this not expecting it to be a children's book. So the writing caught me a little bit off guard because it is just yeah. a little, um, what's the, you know, just. Well, it's like the first introduction, I think, that like young readers have to the classics, right? Like it's like a very yes. it's a classic, but it's so accessible because of this like young adult writing that it has. And, it, you know, it's like about children. And so it, I think like the writing is kind of geared towards that as well. Um, that it makes it so accessible because like really it's it's such a big book. And I remember reading this book as a kid and like thinking like I was like such a cool reader because I was reading this like old classic that was really mm. like hundreds and hundreds yes. of pages. And it was a great introduction into like that kind of world and, and this kind of older writing. But it is, it is a young adult novel for sure. Yeah. Well, and and that being said, like the, I really don't feel like the subject matter is, I mean, that's the thing, like the title, Mm -hmm. even little women, you know, it kind of sets this tone and it is, there's very much a lot of focus on like what they're wearing and what they look like. And, you know, the Mm -hmm. specifics of the food, kind of a Dickens reminiscent and like the details. And I think, I mean, when really it's a, in my opinion, it's a book about, you know, just having to navigate through adolescence and becoming an adult. It's kind of this coming of age told through all of these different points of view, but the main heroine is Joe, in my opinion, and who, yes, you know, she's the one who rails against that idea of becoming this genteel woman 
And the one who most um, adheres to that, Beth, dies. So I think that's kind of an interesting concept that like, you know, that's the focus and the the heroine is the person who rails against it, which I think is a great thing for like young women and young men to read about. And so I almost sometimes Mm -hmm. I think it gets overlooked because it's maybe the setting seems more feminine than say like a Huck Finn or Tom Sawyer Mm -hmm. or, you know, um, Oliver Twist, like, you know what I mean? And so it's like a, it's a very domesticated novel. It's very, it's all about, there's a lot of domestic life. There's a lot of conversation Mm -hmm. about what is a concern for women of that age of that class at the time. And yes, like I, and I agree. Like, I think that, um, Oh my gosh. I'm trying to think. And, back I, and to, I think that's the thing. And I know that that yeah. setting, that that's something that or Louise Malcott didn't really like herself. Like she kind of railed against that idea and that domesticity, you know? And I think mm-hmm. that that's maybe what comes off as like, um, harder to get into, but you just kind of have to, to dig through it a little bit because at heart, I think that that story with Joe and with Lori and with aim, like, I think that there's so many interesting stories within the big story you know what I mean and it's just yeah it's great I just sometimes the domesticity of it is a little boring for me yeah well so it's so interesting that you say that because one of my like I hadn't read this book since I was a kid for like a very long time and I loved the movies and then I took an AP lit course and we were reading like a completely different novel but I can remember this moment where my teacher said like I don't know if she, I don't think she came up with it. She was quoting somebody else, like some lit critic who said that it's not literature unless there's like sluts on skates, which is just like sex somehow involved. (laughs) And then also like some other like thing that they considered necessary for something to be like great literature, you know, like some level Mm. of drama or level of like adult concern, you know? Right. And, um, and she, she like asked the class, she was like, well, like nothing of like that is present in like little women by Louisa May Alcott. Mm -hmm. So like she asked us the question of like, why do we consider that book great literature? Cause it is considered great literature. Right. And like, why, why does that. And why is it endured so long too? Yeah. Why is it endured? Even though if if it, it is kind of like boring in the sense that each chapter is like not even really connected it's like each chapter is almost like a scene from the life of this family Uh uh-huh and it can be boring I think the writing makes it like easy to read so you you can read this like you know 500 600 page novel like pretty quickly for a novel that size um but I like I think it is like you kind of have to ask like what the interest is there because the things that the plot things that are happening is boring and I think it's okay to say that but it's like what is the interest in a way personally for me like my interest in this novel was I really loved like the focus on sibling relationships and it was super relatable to me like for me to read and like kind of um attach myself to these characters because like I could relate to all the frustrating annoying things that happen between the siblings in this book and oh that's um, so interesting to think about because maybe that's part of it is like not having siblings those scenes don't really connect with me at all and there's so many of them and that makes so much sense like you know as someone who has two sisters that those pro yeah well and it's funny because when we were at thanksgiving and i was talking with your sisters that we were going to do this book they brought up they started and i can't remember it all but they said like laura's the best parts of this character yes. and the worst parts of this one and yes. you're the best of it. and like and that to me was like okay there's your connect like that's so interesting that you guys have yeah. that connection and that's something that i just don't have and that makes so much sense and that's like, lovely that's lovely you know that literature you know does what that, that you know what that like makes you though is like I still feel like 
there's a connection. Lori. <laughs> yes, you're Lori. You want to be like in the fam, but you are. But you are. But like you're Lori. I'm the little lost boy. Oh my, oh my God, I'm Lori. You're young Mr. Lawrence, um, Teddy, if you will. Um, no, mm-hmm. but like it's so true. And my sisters and I have all felt this way about I'm the best parts of Joe and the worst parts of Amy. And Laura's the best parts of Amy and the worst parts of Joe. And I can, like, pull specific passages out of this book that, like, prove this. It's kind of hilarious. Well, you're you're going to have to if it's not this episode. I expect you to come prepared with them for the next one because they started bringing that up and I couldn't keep it all straight. And I really want to know. Okay, so, well... The parts that I'm thinking of come up in this, like, in part one a lot. So maybe we should just talk about, okay, even though some of these scenes are, like, boring to you, like, were there any ones that, like, stood out to you? Because, I like, for me, there are a lot of these scenes that stand out to me as, like, more important or more telling of, like, the characters. Like, what were some of your favorite, if you had a favorite scene or chapter, like, that stood out to you? Um, Let's see. Well, I really like... I actually really like this the chapter in the scene where Joe and Meg go to the dance. Mm, mm-hmm. I guess I guess it's the dance. You know, and she first like really meets Lori. And I, I do like that scene. I like, you know, them getting ready and like Joe burning her hair and like Yeah. I, and I think it's always usually well done in movies too. Like it's just such it's such a good intro scene. And I like it too because I feel like it kind of speaks to this backstory of when the family did have money. Yeah. Um, and that's something that Meg remembers more mm-hmm. and her kind of processing and dealing with wanting to still live in that life and it not being possible and how she reacts to that versus Joe, you know, just kind of seeing their differences in, mm-hmm. and I, and I don't think it, it's necessarily bad that it's more important to Meg. I think it's just interesting because it shows kind of more of the backstory of what things were like before, you know, they lost their money and their father went to yeah. war and like, well, and the precarious, so that's why I really like that scene. Yeah. And well, and like kind of the precarious position she's put in where like all of the people yes. in their class of society mm-hmm. are still relatively wealthy. Um, and untouched by what's going yes, on yes, in the world. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so there's, so Laura and I are mixed between Amy and Joe. Um, Megan is Meg, like 100%. And we've talked about this with her. And it's not that, like, it's not that um, I think the character Meg is, like, inherently, like, uh, materialistic or, like, pretentious in any way, you know? She just, she likes these things. She does. And she, like, wants to be a part of that. And she remembers being a part of it. And she sees other people that she's close to. And she, like, wants to be a part of that. And my sister Megan has said the same thing. Like, that's, she likes those things. And Mm -hmm. it's not that it's lesser. It's just, like, it is interesting seeing different people kind of react or, like, react to like societal pressures or norms or expectations because some people like really like live into it and they that's what they want and then other people really rail against it um yeah I agree like I really love those scenes the scenes that stick out to me are like the confrontations between the sisters and the biggest one that I, I can give you direct comparisons to. Like, okay. All right. Our I'm life, excited. Is this is when um, Amy burns the manuscript. Oh, okay. So, so I love the scene. It's, do, do tell. It's chapter okay. eight. So for whatever. So one of the key characteristics of Joe and Amy's relationship is that Joe is, I think, really like dismissive and impatient with Amy and Amy just kind of like wants to be involved and yeah really wants like kind of her sister's attention and to be like older than she really is right and so when Joe and Meg go to the play and they they leave and she burns the manuscript like these the descriptions of these characters feel like my mother wrote them about me and Laura and (laughs) 
So this is mine and Lara's relationship, okay? And I don't think she'll be mad at me saying this because she totally feels the same way. She and Amy had many lively skirmishes in the course of their lives, for both had quick tempers and were apt to be violent when barely aroused. Amy teased Joe, and Joe irritated Amy, and semi-occasional explosions occurred, of which both were very much ashamed afterward, although the oldest, <laughs> Joe, had the least self-control and had hard times to cure to curb the fiery spirit which was continually getting her into trouble her anger never lasted long and having humbly confessed her fault she sincerely repented and tried to do better and then a little bit later it says poor joe tried desperately to be good but her bosom enemy was always ready to flame up and defeat her and it took years of patient effort to to settle it subdue it um <laughs> that is that like fault of joe of being like like both of them very quick to anger like joe having this temper getting her into trouble that is Lara and that is me that exact thing That's and then hilarious. and then um like Amy I when I met or felt slighted as a child I sought revenge and <laughs> so you know Amy burns the manuscript because she's mad at Joe um what I did whenever Lara was impatient with me was I would take her very expensive hair or skincare products and I would flush them down the drain. <laughs> oh God! When she wasn't home. And and what and what prompted this? Why did you? Oh, do I this? can't even remember. It was something very silly like this, like me not being able to participate. It was probably like mm. it was probably me being like an annoying nine-year-old and Laura having friends over. And me wanting to hang out with her and her friends and her being like, get out of here, like in a kind yeah. of dismissive way. And I probably just got pissed. And I like that's why I did it. There was never anything like huge. It was just me being super petty. And mm -hmm. um, so when I, that's why I'm Amy in that situation. But I think like on the flip side, you know, Laura and the way that she's the best parts of Amy She's, I think, very, like, I think Lara is very refined and very elegant, which we see in Amy as she's an adult. And, like, yeah. I think she socializes very well and she fits in to, like, the norms of the society that she's brought up in, like, very well. She wants those traditional things at the same time as Amy does. And as far as, like, getting married and having kids and, like fulfilling like that kind right. of life she's i think the best parts of ab like she's i think she has immaculate taste and then with like joe i just like i care kind of less about that stuff um mm -hmm. and that's that that part of joe's personality is i think where like i fit in more and that's how we're kind of a mixture but this this scene with the burning of the manuscript every single time I read it. That's ex I immediately think of me dumping all of Lara's things down the drain, knowing it would piss <laughs> her off, and then having it just be. And then I'd put it back in perfectly placed on the shelf, <laughs> and she would wonder where all her things went. Like, why is this all of a sudden empty? And I showed that's less really remorse funny. than Amy did. That's for sure. But yeah, that, like these uh, arguments, I think are the things that I'm drawn most to and and then like the making up yeah. afterwards, you know, with when Amy falls into the ice and and then all of this kind of like regret that Joe feels for icing her out and guilt. Um and then everything's fine. Like I think that that even though it's still kind of they have antagonistic moments with each other, um like that that is siblinghood the 100 percent in my experience that's what that is it's doing kind of awful things to each other sometimes but still caring more for each other than like you can even kind of comprehend sometimes does that make sense yeah it does and i guess i am Lori. <laughs> Well, Lori's my favorite character next to Joe. So. Oh, well, lovely. I'll take it. I'll take it. That's so, that's so interesting to think about. Cause I really hadn't even, 
I mean, obviously, why would I? But hadn't thought about in those concepts. So that is interesting. And it makes sense, too, why that would be something that would be so appealing to to other to, to young people reading this and like where it is kind of like in this mini series. I mean, it's probably in a similar way why we I mean, I feel like each chapter can it, you could put this into make it like a mini series. Yeah. That's what each chapter is. And that's, um, you know, in some ways, this is probably a really poor comparison, but a little bit like why some people like want to watch soap operas or, you yeah. know, serial TV dramas or reality shows. Like even if there's not something really intense happening, it's just that idea of watching these kind of scenes fold out and getting to know these characters and having it become a part of your life and then finding ways to relate it to your own life. That's, mm-hmm. that's really appealing. Um, and it's, and obviously if it gets with you and it sticks with you as this book has for so many people, I mean, the fact that it's still going the way it is and there's, you know, continuously movie adaptations and plays and, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, I think, literature like that is really fascinating and I liked this one Christmas wise more so than like a you know a Christmas carol or something yeah because I think that it I don't know it 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 gives me that sense of kind of Christmas and familyhood but it there's just so much more to it if that makes sense versus like a Christmas carol just a Christmas carol (laughs) I don't know yeah no I I agree well like you get different Christmases too in this book like it it spans years so you get to see kind of the way that like these characters change year to year for Christmas for holidays and and also you Mm -hmm. get to see kind of like the struggle of um you know this you know one of the things that I think people like criticize a lot of like more the movie adaptations than I think the book but like kind of the lack of focus on the war. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, even just the fact that they're, you know, and that is something that I think you can, you pay attention to more now. They're, there's like this genteel poverty, right? I mean, like they're, they're poor, but like they still have like a housekeeper and, you know, they live in a very large home and they're the Bennett's of Americana. Like they really are. Like they still have a cook. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, so it, you know, it is interesting and you know, her, the father's in the civil war and, but like, yeah, it's not much, there isn't much awareness yeah. of what that's even all about and why and the horrors of it, but, but it, it's not really necessarily its place in this, no, you know, it's like not. again, for who it's written, for who it's written for. Yeah. Um, well, and it, and I and think it is that, still there. Like they do still talk about yes. the war and what it's like having their father not be there and like the fear of losing him and what that's going to be like. And they do get injured. Like, um, well, I guess that's in part two more where it talks about like John getting back from the war but um like it it is such a background presence that like people would can criticize that but I think also Mm -hmm. like I think that's an important um like I just think that this book is like very relatable and it would have been relatable then. And I think it's relatable now because even with this like big thing going on in the background, like these teenagers are still teenagers and they still act like teenagers in the same way that yes. teenagers act today, I think. Yeah. And it's, I think that is kind of, um, I, I think that that's kind of like a value, a value in and of itself. You know, like I think, yeah, I think that's one of the things too that made this book like so big when it was published was that it was maybe I can't remember if this is a quote from the book or if they just like wrote it for the movie, but they talk about how maybe it will be important if you write about it. Like people will realize it's important if you write about it when she's Mm -hmm. talking about writing this book, basically. And I think that that is kind of what this does. Like, I think it's a space for those things to feel important. Well, and it definitely gives space for you to be ambitious. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. all of these girls, all of these little women are ambitious in their own right and yeah. in their own way and in different ways. And they all do value each other and their own they value themselves, I think, and they value mm-hmm. each other and each other's gifts and differences. And I think that it's, 
you know, even just the fact that they're somewhat typecast in a way, but in a way it's like, so you can find someone to kind of identify with, you know, like Mm -hmm. you, like you and your sisters have. And I think that that's a great thing to see as a young person. And then to be able to see young women who are very ambitious, you know, and as the heroine and not just ambitious, but almost going against what is expected of her, what she should do, what would be easier Mm -hmm. in all aspects, not just in her career, but, you know, even just with how she handles her relationship with Lori. I mean, so I think that that's a good thing to see represented, um, Mm -hmm. and probably was, uh, part of why it's, lasted so long and been so important. So I think that, you know, just the idea of being able to be a professional writer and you've got this female professional writer writing about another character who wants to be a professional writer and what that's like. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just really important. So, um, especially with, you know, the time period Alcott grew up in. And so I I think it's a super valuable book. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And I, I think that there is a lot of, um, hinting at like bigger questions, especially with the character Joe and with Laurie, hmm. um, that just come out every once in a while with like the way that she decides to describe Joe, like, or even just the way Joe describes herself, like, um, saying that she won't cry or something because it's unmanly you know like that's Mm -hmm. the way that joe kind of like desperately almost tries to well she talks about it even right from the beginning she wants to be she's the man of the family yeah yeah um she wants to be called joe like she she's yeah quite vocal about that and she like wants to go to college like she's kind of jealous of Lori, Mm -hmm. for example in like so many ways Lori is really interesting character because i feel like him and joe just desperately like want to switch spots like i think yeah Lori like wants the i think more domestic like well i think he just he wants he wants the freedom he wants the belonging the belonging but i think even like with his career and stuff like i think he wants the ability to pursue more comfortably things like the arts and like piano rather than like business they both want what's not expected of them yeah yeah. Like, and what, what's not, yeah, they both want to kind of break out of the roles that have been set up for them. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think what attracts them to each other, mm-hmm. um, and is attractive in each other. Not just that the other one almost has what the other one wants, but they both see in each other that drive to like have more, Yeah, not more materialistically, but just more out of life, just yeah. more than what has been laid in front of them. Even what though, what's been laid in front of them seems just great you know yeah. and everyone a lot of people seem very happy to have it and I think that yeah I agree I think that's part of what their draw to each other is well and I think it's why yeah it's why they understand each other so well you know mm-hmm. I think like they're really good at um kind of tempering each other a little bit like I think when when Joe kind of goes off I think he like he He's so supportive of her. Like, he's so supportive when he... I think I, like, even marked it, like, um, when she's talking about her writing, you know? He he tells her, like, it's not going to fail. Like, your stories are better than things that are being published now. Like, it's going to be amazing to see them in print. Like, he's very, like, he's focused on the future, and he's so supportive of her and, like, talking about her as this famous author in the future and how proud she'll be of herself. And it's so awesome to see, like, this man, like, fully love her as, like, a person in every Mm -hmm. way that she is. And, like, to support her dreams and what she wants to do with, like, forging her own path. And I think that's a really unique thing in, like, this type of novel and, like, also this era of relationships, too like yeah the, the expectations that like men would have for their love interests which joe is a love interest to laurie and right um the fact that like he doesn't want to like kind of put her it well it doesn't feel at this point that he wants to cage that in at all like he's looking forward to it as much as she is and i think that's something that's like 
really, really fantastic to read. And then also, you know, when he gets kind of riled up with issues with his grandfather and um, when he's kind of frustrated with how he's being treated, like Joe is such a good temper of like, don't be rash. Like she, she criticizes him a lot about how he should be better and like how to be smarter about his position in life. And I think that's something that he really needs. And it's so refreshing to see that happen in a way that's not like, I don't know, peckish. Like it's, it's just so nice. They, they, they push each other. They don't like harangue each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's all out of, it's all out of love and it's all like realistic and even when they're like they're wrong, I think like they're good at telling each other that they're wrong while still being on their side. Yeah, definitely. They have a, they have a great relationship. Like, and I think it's nice to see that outside of just the relationship that the sisters have, you know, Mm -hmm. to see, to see those other bonds that can form, you know, even to a lesser degree, but you know, the relationship that they have with Mr. Lawrence and mm-hmm. how he's kind of tries to caretake for them. And, Ugh, um, I think Aunt March, like there are some, yeah. definitely some great, like, you know, additional characters, um, you know, who, who, who I think really add to, to the story. Um, there's tons. I mean, this book is just, there's so many people in these, in this book, but, yeah. um, yeah, I think that, Lori plays a really important role in the book as well. And not just because they need, you know, he's, he's almost like something that highlights the sisters. Mm-hmm. Like he highlights all these different parts of them, obviously Joe, but you know, I think the same with Meg, how he interacts with Meg in the beginning, mm-hmm. how he is with bat, like all of them. So it's, he's definitely a great character. I agree. Not just because that's who I am apparently, but <laughs> well, he establishes a relationship, I think with all of them. And I think that's also something that's fun to read is even though he's pretty squarely set up to be, um, his key relationship is Joe Yeah, pretty early on. It's they, we still get these chapters where he has solo interactions with the other sisters. And mm-hmm. that's something too, that, I think kind of gets lost in some of the movies is it's not always like those interactions aren't always included. Like the, the scene with him and Meg is pretty common. Um, but like I loved the scene when, um, Beth had gotten sick for the first time and Mm -hmm. she writes a will. Um, Amy writes a will because I can't, I can't remember what it was that like urged her. He thought it was what was going on with, um, with, uh, I hope, I hope this is still in the right part, but he, the chapter is literally called like Amy's will. Yeah. Chapter 19. Um, but she's over at the Lawrence's or something. And she, she writes this will and she asks him to like proofread it and be like the witness for it. And, um, and it's all the things that she's like wanting to leave to everybody. And this, this little solo interaction with him, like I think his, the way that he kind of comforts her and like gets her and isn't really like annoyed by her. It's very brotherly. Um, but I think it's, really important and like you can see the way that like different these different relationships are kind of like they're still individual and it's not just joe that keeps them all together it's it's kind of this attachment that he has to the whole family and it's and it's a real attachment like it's it's valuable you know Yes. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I think it's a great part of the story and just equally as, as lovely as the relationship with, that the sisters have with each other, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't talked a lot about Beth. What are your thoughts on the character Beth? I actually really um, have a hard time with Beth. Why do you have a hard time with Beth? So, like... I don't, I don't know. I mean, I love the character Beth, but I have a hard time with, um, the way that I feel like she's, 
she's different than her other sisters in the sense that I feel like she's never trying to grow up. Does that make sense? Like her attachment to like her doll and like, she's kind of static, like, and she, she's too timid for school, right? Like she just wants to stay and Mm -hmm. be at home and do stuff with the home. And she's always, she's the, I think she's a little bit more one note than the other characters. And maybe that's, that's dismissive because she's just quieter and maybe not as exciting. Um, you know, I mean, Joe and Amy are definitely, I think the most vibrant of the, of the sisters as far as like to read as characters. Yeah. Um, for me, but yeah, I mean, she's just, she just seems more one note to me. Like, but, but I think what's interesting about her is she's, she's still kind of that anchor, you know, and unfortunately Mm -hmm. a lot of it has to do with her being sick and, and her, Mm -hmm. you know, just being sick, but she's kind of that anchor for the family almost kind of acts as like a, I feel like a proxy a little like they Meg's the oldest, but I feel like Beth is more of the proxy for their mother and like mm-hmm. that kind of motherly figure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's, she's a challenging one, I think to, to really decide on. Yeah. I mean, like, I kind of go back and forth on her. She has like really beautiful moments with um, like, she's clearly, I think like the most kind genteel like kind of angelic kind i feel i feel like she's actually like written to be like just an angel yeah the whole time yeah like you don't really see her she's kind of a peacemaker you don't really see her get into any arguments with any of the sisters versus like them all arguing with each other all the time she's always just it makes her death more traumatic it does it does and i think that that's kind of i mean why she's written that way like I think it makes yeah yeah it's a good it's a good literary she kind of she kind of feels almost like a device and not and I'm not meaning that in like a like um no I mean they're all typecast a little bit yeah yeah. and that's kind of her her purpose and it it works I mean the her scenes like especially when she's ill are are very affecting they are you know and very moving and I think in certain other representations I've seen super super moving but like yeah, I think she serves more of a purpose and has less of like her own depth, if that makes sense. Yeah. That, that's what I think about Beth. Yeah, like I think it's more about how the sisters kind of respond sometimes to the things that's going on with her rather than mm-hmm. what it's like for her to go through those things in a way. Yeah, and I think I, she, I think she's like one of the characters too that were less privy to her perspective Uh, Like, I feel like Meg gets a little bit more of her own chapters. Joe and Amy, like, certainly get the majority of the chapters of their point of view more or their stories that take the forefront. Um, Yeah, I agree. I mean, and she's just it's I think it's just almost repetitive how often she's called gentle and angelic and kind. And so it really hits home. So it's like, which is you get it, you get who she is, but. Yeah, it's just one note to me. Yeah, it's hard to imagine anybody always being that way all the time. Yeah, maybe, but maybe it's just because we're so not. Yeah, maybe we're just really cynical (laughs) and like we're just also not angelic in any way that we can't imagine. Just can't even imagine. How could anyone be like that? Yeah, maybe that's what it is. (laughs) Maybe it's quite possible. Um, And then, and so part one ends really with while. Um, they're waiting. Well, so, so Marmy, their mom goes to, to Washington cause their dad is sick and in Washington. Right. And so she goes to care for him and that's, that's when Beth first gets scarlet fever. Right. Cause she contracted it from like a family that they helped take care of. Amy goes to live with Aunt March. And so Joe's no longer her companion. She's had scarlet fever. So she's going to stay and help take care of Beth. Um, mm-hmm. and then, but then they bring Marmy back and Beth recovers still weak, but she recovers. And then, uh, Mr. Brooke Lawrence's helper is like, has talked to Meg's mom and dad that he wants to marry her. Yeah. Sorry. There's so much. Am I getting it all? Well, so and yeah, they say, yeah. Like leading up to that, we get, I think like the last like three or four chapters of part one, part one is like 
leading up to him like talking to the parents and then talking to her and it's all about like them kind of like telling meg oh he has feelings for you what would you do kind of a situation and her kind of like denying any real attachment to him for a while and then the last exactly and then the last chapter that like kind of comes to a head and and not only uh that but joe doesn't approve of it she doesn't want to she doesn't want to see meg married and she says i don't approve of the match but i've made up my mind to bear it and she'll not say a word against it said joe solemnly you can't know how hard it is for me to give up meg she continued with a little quiver in her voice okay you don't give her up you only go have said Lori consolingly what so this other thing this this is another thing that i directly relate to is um, oh okay joe's like sadness and despair about the idea of her older sister getting married and like leaving the house oh did you feel that way oh my god when megan got married because megan was the first one to 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 get married was she the first one to get married yeah she yeah okay and um and megan and i were like super close so so close we were best friends all my life and i was 11 when she got married and when i was the flower girl (laughs) And I cried the whole ceremony. Oh my gosh, you guys are crazy. It wasn't cute crying. It wasn't happy tears. Like bawling snot running down your face. I was sobbing and I ran down the aisle throwing the flowers. I sprinted down the aisle and then I sat down with my mom and I cried on her lap the entire ceremony oh my god you little drama queen I don't know what it was like I thought I was never gonna see my sister again like, uh-huh I'm sure it was very traumatic for you <laughs> it was it's so funny like thinking about it now but this this uh stuff that you know that Joe says was where she like doesn't want her to leave and she would rather marry her and keep her with the family like those are all things I felt although I was younger than Joe so I feel like I have more of an excuse yeah you've got more of a leg to stand on there yeah (laughs) Yeah. but it's super it's so relatable it's so funny you should actually you should ask Megan what she was thinking because I still have no idea what she was thinking while I was literally loudly sobbing I would love to hear her her take on it and then your mom's take on it and then maybe justin's take on it (laughs) i know i have no idea i'd love to know that's so funny i did the same thing with um our cousin katie oh really she got married um i was attached to katie's hip when we were really young and well when i was really young and when she was a teenager and um when she met Chad and she like brought him home, Katie has told me that like the one, number one important person for Chad to meet was me. Like she was really concerned that I wouldn't approve. And he tried so hard to get my approval. Like I was a really big reader. And so he would come and be like, what are you reading? Do you want to read to me? Like, let's read together. Like tried so hard. And I just mm-hmm. shut him out. I was the bitchiest little like eight-year-old to this poor man who was just trying to get my approval and it was because I was like it's like this jealousy that like Joe has in a way and that's exactly what I felt and it was it's absolutely absurd to think about that's hilarious that's classic I've done this a lot of times I clearly have a problem with people in my life having more important people in their life well, I feel like you've gotten over that. I think I have. I think I have. You've you've always been super kind to me. Well, yes. So either you weren't that close with Kendrick <laughs> or I'm just that amazing. I think you're just that amazing. Oh, okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, so it ends with um, this, yeah, this like talk of marriage between Meg and Mr. Brooke or John and can I just tell you, I think that the interactions during this point is hilarious. Like, I think this is uh-huh. this is where, like, I think Louisa May Alcott is, comes through as quite funny to me. Like, there's a lot of quips between, like, Joe and Laurie that I think are hilarious. Like, this yes. book will make Yeah, they have a good repertoire. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, 
I laughed out loud so hard today when I was reading the part, um, chapter 23 is, yeah, it's the last chapter, when Mr. Brooke, like, actually talks to Meg about how he feels. I think it's so funny, and Meg is all prepared, like, she knows he's going to do it, and she's come up with, like, this is what I'm going to say, and I'm going to be super cool, and I'm just going to shut him out the door, and it's going to be totally prim, very proper, like, everything's going to be cool, and then, you know, he tells her that he loves her, and he wants to know what she thinks, he hopes that she cares, and... (laughs) I love this part where it says, this was the moment for the calm, proper speech, but Meg didn't make it. She forgot every word, hung her head, and answered, I don't know, (laughs) so softly that John had to stoop down to hear. Um, Well, then he, and then his response to that is like, well, will you try to find out? (laughs) I want to know. And I just think that's so funny. And then um, he asks her if she'll learn to love him or like him. And if it would be a hard lesson for her. And she says, well, not if I choose to learn it. And then he interrupts her (laughs) and says, please choose to learn, Meg. I love to teach. And this is easier than German. I think that is just one of the funniest, like, love declaration scenes I've ever read. It's a little, like, absurd. And I like the absurdity in it, especially with, like, kind of the standardness and, like, Mm -hmm. domesticity of, of everything else. So it is nice to have to have it be a little absurd. And I do think that she kind of rails it also again against the like, Oh, the, I mean, there's love there, mm-hmm. but like it doesn't need to be, it's not this super cheesy, perfect, yeah, you know, proposal. And so I think it's nice to have that in there as well. Like it just, it's important. Well, and it's not like the perfect ideal person that I think Meg kind of thought she would end up with. Right. Because I think I think that's one of the interesting things about Meg that comes up a little bit like later in the book as well, like in in part two more. But just the fact that she's the one who seems the most concerned with like a certain kind of lifestyle. Yeah. But then she falls in love and marries a person who's kind of least likely to give her that kind of lifestyle. Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting yeah. part of her. And like it kind of sets her up for I, I think frustration probably like later on, but like yeah. I think I think that's a good part of like showing how Meg even though she can come off as kind of materialistic or like wanting those things more um yeah she's still well I think it just shows more of her dichotomy yes. you know it's like yeah. she does really want those things but I think she is also realistic mm-hmm. um and you know she, and also finds love important and knows mm-hmm. kind of the reality of the situations but then always kind of has a little bit of this like what if mm-hmm. and it's finding a way to balance that you know versus maybe you could say Joe is all about the what if and maybe less about what's real in some ways and you know just how kind of how they all swing diff- to different ends of the pendulum but yeah i think it does show more of meg's like the complex parts parts of her personality yeah i think come out more in her relationship to john well and you kind of see the 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 um her being introduced to i think like both lifestyles where she was more affluent when she was younger. And then she's also seen and had access to a lot of people who live far more affluently, including like the Lawrences and aunt March and all these things, but then still like this, um, still the fact that she, with all of that kind of surrounding her, she was raised by, I don't know if like they say it in the book, but like transcendentalist ideology. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember, is that in the book or is that more of just our knowledge of like Louisa May Alcott's life? I mean, I don't, I don't think it's really totally out there in the book. I think we just know that. I mean, I think, I think it's a combination of just knowing that and then just the idea of transcendent, Mm -hmm. trans, whatever. Yeah. Transcendentalism. (laughs) I've had too much of my libation Um, (laughs) that, (laughs) that it, it seeps into their seeps into the novel yeah but like yeah so like these more i think like idealistic kind of notions on like love and life and um 
what makes a happy life and like what one should do with one's life like that's coming from their parents which you see a lot that's part of the reason why they don't have as much wealth and it's also part of the reason why they're all i think like very gracious and giving characters you know but i like i like seeing her kind of like stand up for um uh mr brooke to like aunt march and like you kind of see her confront that kind of world with Mm -hmm. the world that in reality she was like raised up by like the ideology that she was raised up by and i think that that was like a really fun thing to read and it was a good ending and i love how it ends with like this kind of family portrait of them all just like it's so perfect of them just all together and um her joe and teddy having a great conversation and what does he say he says um oh when they're talking about if they can see in the future yeah where he says it'll be very jolly to see meg in her own little house we'll have capital times um for i'll be getting through college and you'll be we'll We'll go go abroad and you know she said but there's no knowing what may happen in three years said joe thoughtfully that's true don't you wish you could take a look forward and see where we shall all be then i do returned laurie and then joe says i think not for i might see something sad and everyone looks so happy now i don't believe they could be much improved and then she goes around the room and she kind of just like takes in this i mean really like picture perfect moment with her family um and then it ends like like a picture perfect moment with the curtain falling, which I think is so interesting. Yes. And I, and she said, you know, so grouped the curtain falls upon Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy, whether it ever rises again, depends upon the reception given to the first act of the domestic drama called little women. (laughs) Yeah. I love the little like fourth wall kind of, you know, breaks that she does. And I love that. It was, it is, it's a great way to end it. Well, and it's also like a realistic I, I like the way that yeah. um, thinking about Louisa May Alcott trying to come up with this ending for this like first volume mm-hmm. and trying to like entice the readers, you know, because she knows that like demand yeah. is necessary. Um, and I love that that kind of comes through in the book, actually, like physically, like her own kind of like, I think, business like prowess that she had when she yeah. published this novel. Which she did. She had, yeah. like, because she, she was one of, she's one of the, she made, like, the rare choice to keep the rights to the manuscript, right? Like, she actually owned her yes, novel. Yes, correct. Correct. Yeah. Which boss. Yeah. Boss of her. Yeah. It's awesome. I think this was, this was fun. I had more fun with it than I initially anticipated. And it was interesting to kind of come back and look at it after having seen so many different representations mm-hmm. and, you know, have, I haven't, I don't think I've read this for like 20 years. Yeah. And again, like, you know, there's a lot of value to it. It is fun to read. It is like a young adult novel. Like it's a, chi- it's a children's mm-hmm. book. Like, and it's something that I think would be like fun to introduce to a child to kind of like see them. Yeah. See, like experience it for the first time. The first time I was actually introduced to like the world of little women, um, was a, deep like no it was a vhs that my grandma stevens had at her house she had like this little cupboard where she kept all the children's movies um yeah and in that cupboard there was a little one and i can't remember what it was called it was probably like a little woman's christmas or something and it was a cartoon and it was like maybe a 45 minute long special and it was this like christmas scene with the march sisters and it's not a scene that's even in the book. It was just... Yeah, like, it's almost like they made up another one yeah, for it. Yeah, exactly. But I like I loved it so much, and I played it on repeat, and it like drove my grandma crazy. This was like a woman of endless patience, and she actually like told me to stop playing that when it wasn't <laughs> Christmas anymore. But like, I think it's just... This book, I think because it's introduced to so many people at such a young age that it... like really kind of like becomes a part of who they are. I will say if any of my sisters claim this story more than anybody else, it's Lara. Lara loves little women more than anybody I've ever met. And, um, 
and I, and I love that it means so much to her. Like, it's just, I love when like books mean something oh, yeah. so deeply to other people. It's so fun to read. Like, it makes it more fun for me to read. Cause I see, yeah, I see like when I read this book, I, you know, I see things about me and my sisters on the page, but then I also like, there's so much stuff that I read that like, it doesn't really connect to me, but I can see how this would connect. It would connect for them. Yeah. 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 That's lovely. Such a lovely other facet to literature is just like, you know, when it makes you think of other people and finding those connections and those Mm -hmm. memories that it brings up, like it's, it's great. Very cheesy little tangent there, but no, it's great book sometimes though. And like, it's, it is a little cheesy. It's a little cheesy, but it's it's okay. Cheese is good. It's good. It's good. It's good cheese. It's like an yeah. aged it's like, cheddar. It's like it's some good delicious. gouda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, if you guys haven't, I'm sure you all know the story, but it's definitely a great, easy read. Go pick up a copy of Little Women from your local bookstore if you haven't already. Um, hurry and catch up with us. We'll be discussing part two uh, next week. Mm-hmm. So. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, This was a fun discussion and I look forward to discussing part two. Me too. All right. Bye everybody. Bye.